it, and John is going to bring us notice this morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, the notices are on the blue and, or the red sheet. Uh, you've got two versions. The one that's been circulating all summer. So uh, hopefully you've still got around. Um, a couple of things I wanted to add to what's on the notice. Can you hear an echo? <laughs> Have we got Pam turned off? Yeah. I'm sorry, we've, we've had some trouble with the sound system over the last uh, couple of weeks. And we're starting to get it put back together. So hopefully, hopefully it's going to be fit for purpose today. And while I'm talking about that, we've got our new projector and screen put in now. So it should be a much simpler operation setting up here in the morning. And uh, we can retract the screen and the screen can be pulled back out of the way. So we don't have to have a screen there if we don't want to look at it. So that's an improvement. But going back to the notice sheet, though. Um, building project. We're almost there now and uh, it says we're going to have an official opening over the weekend 29th and 30th of September. But there's no time given here. The, the service on the 29th will be at 7.30 in the evening, okay? There will be invitations which we're going to hand out which will have that time on, but the time isn't in the notice sheet. So 7.30 on the 29th of September for our service with Bishop Pete. It's a Friday evening. And the other thing I wanted to remind you about, spare desks. We've got three desks going spare, which we're trying to get rid of. I'm, trying, I'm having difficulty finding anyone to take them off our hands, but they've got to go. So if any, anybody wants a desk, please speak to me afterwards, and I'll show you what they're like. Um, one other thing I wanted to say was, um, one of our new neighbours has expressed concern about parking down the side. Well, I don't think that's us, but the, because they say that it's been worst on Sundays, um, the finger is pointing at us, so we just need to make sure that we don't park down the side and block the footway down there. So if anybody's tempted to, please don't. We will have some parking at the back, but we haven't taken it over yet. So I'll let you know when that parking is available. Um, I think Jane wanted to say something about Harrow and Leaf tomorrow, the Harrow show as it used to be. Really, just to... Um say that the Harrow Show, um, Headstone Village Show, it's called now, will take place tomorrow afternoon um, between 12 and 5, so all afternoon um, by the, the museum, which has had a lot of work, uh, the Heritage Museum done to it, but we'll be showing lots of fruit, vegetables, paintings, handicrafts, um, honey, and there'll be lots for people to do. So, um, thank you. I think that's it. So, thank you very much. So, we're now going to prepare and we're going to say together... Almighty God. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, 
all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. So let's just take a moment of quiet as we reflect on the things that we want to say sorry to God for and maybe the things we've admitted to do. God, our Father, we come to you in sorrow for our sins, for turning away from you and ignoring your will for our lives. Father, forgive us, save us and help us for behaving just as we want to, without thinking of you. Father, forgive us, save us and help us, for failing you by what we do and think and say. Father, forgive us, save us and help us, for letting ourselves be drawn away from you by temptations in the world about us. Father, forgive us, save us and help us for living as if we were ashamed to belong to your Son. Father, forgive us, save us and help us. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon us. Pardon and deliver us from all our sins. Confirm and strengthen us in all goodness. And keep us in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So um, we're going to uh, have the reading now, which Gloria is going to bring us from Romans. Today's reading can be found on page 1139 of the Church Bibles. It's Romans 12, verses 1 to 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, 
and these members do not all have the same functions. So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. As some of you may know, I work for Her Majesty's Government. I can't tell you exactly what I do. It's not classified, it's just a bit complicated and not very interesting. A couple of years ago, uh, after a few years of not recruiting any staff, we began a period of heavy recruitment. The work we do in my department is quite complex and technical. And I was chosen to be a training instructor for the new staff. I liked that. For one thing, I was given one of those triangular name plaques that go on your desk that says, Paul Joyce, training instructor. I've always wanted one of those. It's only a plastic one with a paper insert. I'd really I'd prefer one of those engraved brass ones, but, you know, it's, it's better than nothing. I always think it's one of those little office status symbols that shows how important you are. Not quite as good as having your own office with your name on the door, but nobody has those in the civil service these days. The other thing about this uh, role was that it gave me the opportunity uh, to stand up in front of a large group of new recruits and show off how knowledgeable I am about my job. It will probably come as no surprise to you to know that I quite enjoy that. We've recruited quite a lot of staff over the last couple of years, and I've been involved in training most of them. So it's now got to the stage where half the people at my office see me as the ultimate authority on all technical casework matters. I'm still working on the other half. In case you hadn't noticed, I'm trying to impress you. Has it worked yet? Maybe, maybe not. Must try harder. It's funny, isn't it? The things that impress us. The reading we just heard was from Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Roman society was a society obsessed with status. There was a strict class system where everyone looked down on the classes below them. But is our society really all that different? I think we still very much live in a society where some people are treated as if they are more important than others because of their job, wealth, fame, level of education or social background. It's something I always think about in August, when young people are receiving their exam results. I think it's right and good to recognise and celebrate academic achievement. Well done to anyone who got the results they wanted this year. But I think we're sometimes in danger of creating a culture where academic achievement is viewed as an all-important measure of a person's worth. As if being gifted at maths is more important than being gifted in empathy. The truth is, society needs both those gifts and others. Jesus often challenges and makes us question our values 
both as individuals and as a society. And this chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans begins with a warning to anyone who thinks of themselves as being better or above anyone else. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. It's an easy trap to fall into. I've been blessed to receive a lot of encouragement and praise for the training I've been doing at work. But have I let that go to my head? Yes, of course I have. But in my experience of God, I know that, and passages like this remind me, that in reality the work I'm doing is no more important than the work anyone else is doing. And it's important to remember that. Because the danger can be that if we value ourselves too highly, we may end up valuing others too little. Before I started my current job, I used to work in the theatre. And the world of show business can be one of those places where people think of themselves more highly than they ought. I remember once sitting in a staff canteen at the National Theatre. Now, the National is a big theatre with lots of people working there. And the room was full of a diverse group of people from diverse backgrounds, all of whom had different roles working there. But they were segregated into groups. And those groups didn't talk to one another. And there was a definite sense of hierarchy. At the top, there were the leading actors, the faces you'd recognise from the telly and the directors. And then the supporting actors. Then the backstage crew. Then the managers. Then the front of house staff. And then the caterers and the cleaners. And you could tell, just by looking at a person, which group they belonged to. From the way they dressed, how loudly they spoke, how confident their movements were. And nobody would talk to anyone outside their group. And it was very sad. And I could never understand it. Because to me, we were all part of the same organisation trying to achieve the same goal. The theatre couldn't run without each of us performing our role. So we were all equally important. Why should anyone look down on anyone else? To some extent, the world has always been that way. But Paul's letter to the Romans warns that churches need to be very different. And we are, aren't we? Everyone is equal here, aren't they? Of course, I'm still up here talking and you're all listening. Or perhaps some of you aren't listening, I don't know. I'm not, you may have noticed, a vicar of this church or any other. But I do have this. You probably can't see it. It's a certificate uh, signed by the Bishop of Wilsdon, Pete, to those of us who know him granting me formal permission to preach in this parish. I notice until the 31st of December 2018, uh, I guess he thinks I'll have run out of ideas by then. <laughs> I'm also on the leadership team, and I've been coming to this church on and off for over 30 years. I know there's a few people here who can beat that, but to be fair, you've had a head start. <laughs> so I guess that must all mean that I'm a pretty important person here at St. Michael's, right? Actually, yes. It does. It makes me just as important, in fact, as every single other person here. Just as important as you. Because the other side of Paul's argument is that just as we should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought, we should not think of ourselves too little either. Paul reminds us that if any of us thought that we were more important than anyone else in church, we were wrong. But if any of us thought we were less important than anyone else, we were wrong about that too. That's another easy trap to fall into. Whether you've been coming to church for years or whether today is your first time. 
People often ask the question, do I have to come to church to be a Christian? Well, if you mean, do I have to come to the Sunday morning service at St. Michael's every week? I mean, I want to say yes. Because it's lovely to see you, and there's always jobs that need doing on the rotor. But in reality, I don't think that's quite the point. I do think, however, that following Christ means being part of a community that glorifies God by loving and supporting one another. It is to value ourselves too highly to think that we are above others to the extent that they have nothing of value to offer us. And it is to value ourselves too little to think that we have nothing to offer others. Being a follower of Christ means putting selfishness aside and offering the gifts we have to God and to each other. That's what it means to be a living sacrifice. Paul uses the same image in his letter to the Romans as he uses in his first letter to the Corinthians. In Christ, he says, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace given to each of us. I love that image. And we say it nearly every week, don't we? Though we are many, we are one body. It's a wonderful way to demonstrate how absurd it is, both to value ourselves too highly and to value ourselves too little. The parts of the body are all different. They're meant to be. If all the parts were the same, the body wouldn't work. Every part is dependent on the rest of the body. And no one part is more or less important than any other. And that's how it is with us, too. What gifts have you got to give, I wonder? If your gift is prophesying, says Paul, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. The list could go on and on. If you can listen to someone, listen. If you can smile at someone, smile. If you have the time and energy to help move a few chairs after the service on a Sunday morning, why not? If you can offer an arm of support to someone who needs it, offer that arm. If you've appreciated something someone's done, tell them. These might seem like quite simple, insignificant things, but they're all part of being a community that loves and supports one another. You might think, why me? Anyone could do this, but why not you? Perhaps others don't have the gifts that you have, that you take for granted. Or perhaps you just happen to be in the right place at the right time. As a fellowship, as a family at St. Michael's, let us all share the gifts that we have to share and encourage others in sharing their gifts too. Let us be willing to give cheerfully and to receive gracefully. Let us be attentive to where God is calling us both in the big things in life and in the small. And let us be attentive to the calling of others and support them as they step out in faith. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for every single person who is part of our fellowship at St. Michael's. We thank you for the gifts you have given every one of us. We lift those gifts to you and pray that we may do the things you call us to do and that we may support and encourage each other in answering your call. May our strengths support the weakness of others and may our weaknesses be supported by the strength of others so that we may grow together as one body, perfectly formed in your image. Amen.